All right, welcome to the A-Game Podcast. About two weeks out from sinus surgery, starting to get my old voice back. So uh, we're going to start recording some new episodes again this week. But this is a great one with Dave Seymour, very famous uh, guy from, you would know him from a and Flipping Boston, um, uh, ex-paramedic, ex-firefighter of 16 years, has now transitioned heavily into multifamily commercial real estate. He works for Freedom Ventures. He's running a fund. They're doing tons of multifamily all over the country. They're a tried and test team. There is some big heavy hitters like Kevin Harrington and John DeSauer uh, on their team over there. So he's really got a, a great thing going. Um, I really had a blast talking to this guy. I think you guys are going to really enjoy listening to him. He's got a great personality. He's got a lot of experience. Obviously, he's a colorful personality. They would have never put him on that show, but he does talk about the show, getting on the show, some of the deals they're working on, transitioning into multifamily, overcoming addiction, overcoming debt, um, you know, divorce, all the things. His, uh, his story is, is very relatable. You know, he's been through some ups. He's been through some downs. And he just keeps pushing through and he uses that that mentality and that grit to just keep finding a way to be a hero, not a victim. And uh, we talk a lot about that. We talk about the mindset. We talk about the ins and outs. He talks about how to underwrite a multifamily deal. He talks about why multifamily has become his focus, how to capitalize and stay competitive and make money and find proper, profitable deals in this market climate when things are really competitive, how to pivot a little bit, how to find other ways to bring money into the deal. Um, he cracks jokes. You know, he's, he gives uh, some really good quotes. He talks about being a firefighter, some of the lessons he learned on controlling fear and staying calm. And uh, just some of the things you've seen from being on the show and coming across different investors and being a student of somebody who came through as a, you know, a student in the seminar and then started teaching and being a keynote speaker on, on stages all across the country and sitting next to people and just seeing people that succeed and people that don't. We talk a lot about why or why not people become successful as entrepreneurs, especially in the game of real estate coming from somebody who's been investing for over 15 years through multiple market cycles now. Um, he has seen a lot, just as I have too. We've been in about the same amount of time. Now, we have very similar backgrounds and experiences. So it was really cool to talk to him. I feel like I made a friend here. We gave a shout out to Dropkick Murphy. So hopefully they get to connect as well. And uh, definitely listen to it. Check the show notes to connect with Dave. And more importantly, if you want to get into real estate, nicknicknick.com is our website. Nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, is where you can find all the ways to listen and subscribe to the A-Game podcast, Real Estate Investing for Entrepreneurs. Please subscribe. Uh, don't just stream it if you can. It really helps a lot. Uh, it's available on every platform you can think of out there. If it's not, just write to me. I'll get it on there. And you can also see all the ways to connect with me on social media. So if you are looking to get into real estate, whether you're just starting out, you're advanced, you're in single family, multifamily, you want rentals, you want things and flips, or you want to be a partner, you want to buy properties from me, you want to sell properties to me or find a way to connect and do some deals together, or you would like to maybe come on or have me on your podcast, email me at podcast at nicknicknick.com or connect with me on any of those links on nicknicknick.com slash links. And finally, we have a limited time. Uh, we have a limited time checklist we're putting together at nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets. I mentioned this on the bigger pockets. We put it together. If you guys are interested, it's a checklist on ways to provide value to your buyers whether you are a real estate wholesaler or real estate agent, there's two different ways, whether it's a cash flow property or a fix and flip that you can jump on for free and get our limited time checklist we have put together. It has made us money. It has separated us from the crowd. Um, and we've, Bought a lot of value to our buyers and our clients on the real estate side by providing a lot of these things that are in the checklist. So hopefully that's something that helps you guys. Really looking forward to it. I'd also like to give a special shout out on uh, on this one. Uh, one of my fellow Sarah Jiu Jitsu uh, practitioners, Jackie Saunders. Um, she has an Instagram Jack of All Cakes. J A C Q O F 
A-L-L-C-A-K-E-S, Jack of all cakes, J-A-C-Q-O-F-A-L-L-C-A-K-E-S. Check the show notes for this podcast, and I will put the links for Jackie. You have to go on her Instagram and look at some of the cakes she's put together. We had her do uh, a happy birthday cake for uh, Matt the Terracera for his birthday that they put together something for him and Jim Norton from the UFC Unfiltered podcast. It was awesome. Unfortunately, I think Matt sat on it uh, before they got to really eat it at the gym, but the cake was freaking awesome. And um, shout out to my buddy uh, Abe and to DeFranco for getting their black belts. And uh, there was a really awesome cake made with the ghee and just a level of details on there. I've seen she's doing stuff for police officers, all kinds of birthdays, communions, confirmations, super, super talented. Um, I just really want to show her support any way I can. But if you guys are looking for cakes, especially the tri-state area, please go on her Instagram, follow her either way or look because you will be inspired and uh, impressed by the level of creativity, artistry, and from what I hear, deliciousness of the cakes that she puts together. So thank you for doing that. For Matt, on behalf of myself, Paul Hoaxmash Harrison, and Sean Cooper, as a birthday present for our friend and hero, Matt the Terracera. Thank you, Jack of All Cakes. Thank you, Dave Seymour. Hope you guys love this A-Game podcast. Let me know how I can help you guys. Looking forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands, people that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast, I am very excited to have on. He came to the U.S. in 1986 and has become one of the most well-known real estate investors in the country. 16 years as a firefighter, experience as a paramedic, a decorated successful track record of over 10 years in real estate, including single-family residential distressed assets, hard money lending, private money lending, multifamily, raising capital. He is the CEO at Freedom Venture Investments, managing a $100 million fund. You will probably know him as the star of A&E's Flipping Boston. And he is recognized as one of the top distressed asset investors in the Boston market. He's been featured on CBS, ABC, CNBC, Fox News, and many, many more with a keynote speaker across the country and expertise in business strategy, negotiations, business operations, and so much more. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, and thank you so much for being on, Mr. Dave Seymour. Nick, I'm exhausted. I'm, <laughs> I'm freaking exhausted, dude, after all of that stuff. I tell you, it's funny, man. Thanks for having me, number one. But when I hear somebody kind of like, relay back the track record i keep on looking over my shoulder and like who the hell is this cat talking about oh oh it's <laughs> me yeah i've done some stuff huh how are you bro yeah, thanks man. for having me yeah definitely man i'm excited to have you on obviously i've 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 known you through tv for a long time and through a lot of uh, a lot of other people that we know mutually have always said great things about you yeah. so it's exciting to have you on and get to talk to you i recently saw you out in a uh in a mastermind in florida which you came on you you were great so i appreciate you coming on and and sharing your experience. And for people who um, might not be as familiar with your, your backstory past the show, can you give a quick 30,000 foot view of uh, who you are and, and what you've done? Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a little bit of a journey and a story. Like you said, in 86, I came from London. So I'm an, I'm an immigrant to the country. Don't tell anyone it's a secret. Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, I came here in 86. I was young, 20 years old. 
I was following my first wife. Um, you know, I was, I was dating, you know, loving was good. I didn't want to give it up. It seemed like a good idea to emigrate at 20 years old. So, you know, I jacked it all in and came to the States, moved around a little bit. I was in um, New York City for a while. Then I was down in West Virginia. That's a hell of a, uh, a culture shock going from one to the other there. Uh, eventually found myself up here in New England, um, bounced around a little bit. Uh, had some challenges, be honest with you, brother. Um, 23 years old, I, I drank my last drink. I've been sober over, over 30, 31 years now. I'm in my 32nd year. So, you know, I had a lot of transition back then. But anyway, landed the, the, one of the best jobs there is, as far as I'm concerned. Landed a job as a firefighter and a paramedic uh, working just north of Boston. And, um, you know, it, it's funny. I come from a very um, typical blue-collar background, right? The only way you make money is trading time. That's all I, I ever learned. My old man said to me, you know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Do the right thing. Do your eight hours. Be a good worker among workers, a man among men. Uh, you know, after 40 years, David, if you're lucky, my son, you'll have enough money to, uh, to, to buy a car or something. You'll never have enough to own a house, uh, you know, and, you know, to give you a gold watch and you die at, you know, 80 or 65 or whatever the hell it is. And I'm like, I don't know if that was the best plan he could have laid out for me. But, you know, um, I've always been aggressive, love sport. Played uh, soccer uh, at a pretty high level, um, basketball as a kid. You know, I just, I had a drive in me. Anyway, um, I found myself at the age of uh, about 30, 36, 38 years old, somewhere around that mark, where I, I was uh, $70,000 in unsecured debt. My house was in pre-foreclosure. My second marriage was going down the, down the drain, going down the toilet at a high rate of speed. And um, I needed to, to change, man. I needed to do something different. And um, so close to this, I really came to, to picking up a drink in all those years. Um, because I was a financial donkey, dude. I was a financial illiterate. I wasn't, I wasn't taught anything about money, leverage, debt, uh, interest. I just, I, you know, I was following the masses. You know, I, I always say, you know, the 401k plan, <laughs> following, <laughs> following the rest of the sheep, you know, and um, I paid a substantial price for that. It cost me a lot. And um, I remember sitting in my F-150 pickup truck and uh, I'm just getting a new one this week, by the way, still driving F-150 pickup truck. <laughs> you can have your Mercedes and your, and your Maserati and all of that silly stuff. I, I like a pickup truck, but um I started praying a little and uh, crying a little, and I, uh, a commercial came on the on the radio. Teach me foreclosure. You know, this is when the market was just about to shit the bed. Teach me foreclosure. A free one and a half hour seminar coming to your neck of the woods, and I'm like, okay, because I've worked construction. I've always worked with my hands. I've always been, like I said, an aggressive guy, and uh, I knew that there was something in it because I had met some real estate investors. And they had nicer cars, nicer clothes, smiles on their faces. They weren't digging ditches. You know, they weren't mixing concrete by hand in a barra, you know, 50, 50 pound bags of concrete in a wheelbarrow with a, with a hole. You know what I mean? That's, a, that's some hard work right there. And um, that's how it started, man. I started learning real estate from the ground up. And um, there was a guy on, on a stage and he started saying things that went contrarian to everything I had known. This guy started talking about um, debt being being a tool, uh, that money was was irrelevant, that uh, it was your net work is your net worth. 
Are you prepared to be mentored and coached? Will you be teachable? Will you take your pride and your ego and stick it where the sun don't shine so that I can help you become the very best version of yourself? And I was humble enough. And then when I made that decision, um, nobody can outwork me. Nobody's going to outpassion me. You know what I mean? I'm all in, baby. It's all in. So I know that was kind of long-winded, but that's the 30,000 foot view. Can you imagine what that view would be like at a thousand feet? <laughs> be on this thing for freaking days. No, I love it, man. It's all valuable stuff. And it, it's amazing how similar our stories are. I mean, it's same yeah. type of thing. So I, I love hearing those things. And you, you listening to you on other podcasts and doing some backstories on you, it, it brought back a lot of the stuff that I had forgotten on my own story that I was like, man, it, it's just crazy the way it all comes together. But I think that's awesome, man. And one of the things you touched on was obviously you were you were in a tough spot. And, you know, being somebody that's been you know, mentoring people and on the, the mentee side and going through all this stuff. And especially I'm sure from just being on TV and all the people you come across, yeah. what do you think the difference is? Because I had people that sat right next to me in those first seminars I went to. And when I went, people telling me like, you're an idiot, you're going to get scammed, don't go. Sure. And then you leave there and there's somebody that literally came to you with that meeting that today is in the same spot or worse. And they took the same exact information and had the same exact opportunity you did. And look what you did with it and look what they did with it. And at the end of the day, the information and the opportunity was the same. It's just what the choice you make, the perspective that you choose to have with that and the action that you take. Good question. Most people don't do anything with it. What do you think the difference is there? You, you mentioned it. It's one word. It's called action. It's called action, brother. It's trust. It's faith. Um, I started looking at the people that I was learning from. And I mean this with all the respect under the sun. They weren't that smart. They, they didn't have, they didn't have, look, there's something, it's the same in sports, right? I'm looking at your hand all bandaged up, right? That doesn't happen because you, you half-assed anything. You know, we get injured in sports. We get injured in business because we're all in. We make that decision to commit. Um, you know, I, I think there is a disease in our society today. It's a disease of mediocrity. It's the disease of starting and never finishing. It's the disease of, of, of dreaming and not acting. Um, you know, a lot of what I learned as a firefighter, um, you learn in sports, you learn in business, is that action is what gets the results. And a lot of people are so fearful of stepping outside of what their normalcy is, right? Their mediocrity. They're so scared of stepping outside of it that they never get the results that they deserve. And it's not a moral issue, brother. It's just a, um, it's a faith issue. You know, right on my board up there, it says, replace my fear with faith. I would assume in MMA, every time you get into a ring, there's an element of fear of the guy that, that, that you're standing across. Now, are you going to stand there and live in the fear? Or are you going to trust your skill, your passion, your drive um, to, to go and, and make the moves you got to move, make to, 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 to win the fight? And um, I look at it the same way. If I went into a burning building, Right with if I paralleled in a burning building, I look left and right, and the guys to the left and the right of me didn't have what it took to execute the plan, then my life is literally on the line. I can I can die. It's not you know ah you lose a couple of bucks. No, not go home that day. So you know I took the same philosophies from 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 firefighting, from staying sober. You know, I didn't, I didn't learn how to stay sober by, by just doing it all on my own. You know, guy said to me one time, if you use yourself for a sponsor, you got a fool for a sponsor. Follow somebody who's been there before you. Um, and then it's, it's the gift of desperation is what it's called. Look, 
not everybody has to have my story or yours, brother. You know, how, how high or low do you want to go on the elevator? Do you want to go all the way to the basement? Then go, suffer, you know, take, take all the pain and misery that comes with. Or, or make a, a conscious decision. Here's the magic, brother. A conscious decision to do something different. And, you know, it's interesting. You're taking me to the point of I remember when I started those classes and everything else, the guys that I thought would, would be my, my cheerleaders, my, my partners, were my boys in a firehouse. And the majority of them, you know, just, just shit on my parade, brother. They just did. They just, they're like, you know, he ain't it. how dare. At the end of the day, it was, um, we call it lobsters in a bucket or crabs in a bucket, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah you know what I'm saying? When that sure. one crab or lobster's trying to get out, all the others are pulling them back. And they're, they're more to be pitied than scolded. It's not, it's not they were jerks and I wasn't. I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired and, and wanted to move into something different. So again, look, man, you're figuring me out. I'm a long-winded guy, but the message is simple. I don't care how much you know. It means absolutely nothing if you don't take the action. And just because you make an offer and it doesn't get accepted, does that mean you're out of the game? No, it means you got to make more offers. It's a numbers game. I did things early in my career that were, were ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd knock on doors and I'd, I'd, I'd portray myself. I had to morph, bro. I had to step into who I am today. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, fear without faith, uh, faith without fear is uh, fear. Faith without works is dead, right? It, you got to be in action. You got to make the offers, talk to the people. And you know what? I, I'm trying to be very conscious of the words that I use. You don't have to do anything. Do whatever the hell you want. But if you look at the successful people around you, what they did was, was they stepped into that success. It took action, it took effort, it took work, it took personal development, it took repetition, right? New mental mental repetition, like the golfer, muscle memory, you know, no matter what sport it is that you play. So that was the difference between them and I. Once I made a financial commitment, $27,000 on my wife's credit cards when we couldn't afford it, she was my first private lender. <laughs> So I'm like Donkey Kong, get out of my way. I'm either going to go through you, around you, over you, but I will get to where I'm going. So that's, that's, that's really what I, uh, I took away from that. I love that, man. And, you know, I think you, you touched on some really crucial things there, which actually tied into the next thing I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you what kind of things you learned from being a firefighter that helped you out in life and business. And I think, like you just said, one of those things about handling fear and just kind of going after it and looking around at the support team around you and making sure you're surrounded with people that you can trust with your, your financial or your actual life is a super important thing. And I think not enough people are in a position like you and I were at one point where you really feel like you're at the bottom and, and that action of making a change, like you said, that elevator, some people, they never get that discomfort that pushes them. And, and I'm, I'm always trying to push that of like, don't wait until you, you hurt your hand or you lose everything or, you know, your health or your, everything goes rock bottom before you push. But unfortunately I think most people wait until their back is against the wall to push off of it. Yeah. Look, it's interesting. It's, it's always a team effort, right? It's a team effort. I, I remember I was sitting in um, a little academy at the fire department and there was a captain um, on the back of his jacket, his turnout coat. It was, it said God, G O D. Right. And I'm like, who's this guy? He thinks he's God. <laughs> well, his name was God Bow. That was his last name. So his nickname was God, but he was one of those, you know, just grizzly veterans, 
you know, the big mustache, the, the burns on his helmet, you know, he'd seen some stuff and, um, he was, uh, he was a little more sensitive than it is his exterior looked. And he came into our academy and he said, guys, you're going to find two kinds of people in the fire department. He said, you're going to find drains and radiators. He says, radiators are the guys who step up, who do more, want to be more, give more, be the best that they can be in this career. They'll train until the sun goes down. They'll do extra duty. Um, they'll be positive about this career. They'll find all the reasons why they want to elevate the, uh, the, the, the position of being a firefighter and a medic. He said, and then there's going to be drains. They're the guys who just want to live off the city, right? They just want to sit in the recliner, complain about, you know, X, Y, Z, each other. He said, the guys who just want to work for the fire department who don't want to be firefighters. He said, and you got to determine who you want to be. Who do you want to align yourself with? And, you know, I, I, I took that philosophy um, forward into everything I did afterwards. You know, my successes, if, if my successes were not, reveled by the team and if I didn't enjoy my team's successes and other people's successes that's on me I'm an a-hole brother I'm a negative guy I'm not a I'm not a radiator right I'm a drain and um, I learned quickly to be able to small stuff man like you know just knowing I can go into those environments because I was on the right engine company with the right guys if you didn't have the same philosophy as us on that engine company, if you showed weakness when it wasn't, when it wasn't right to show it, you know, it's that militaristic background. Uh, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't hang with us. You couldn't last. We would, we would make your life so unpleasant <laughs> that you would bid out of that engine company, not because for any other reason other than our safety and the safety of, our, of, of the public. So how does that transition into business? You know, when I'm managing you know, millions of dollars of other people's money. They want me to be focused. They want me to be brutal. They want me to be um, aligned with the very, very best in the business. Because if I'm not, their capital, their financial futures, their retirements, their kids' college, their dreams for whatever uh, are, um, are on the line. You know what I mean? I, they, they want me to, to, to be uh, that just dialed in, man. Like there's no, there's no hesitation. I underwrite a hundred deals to do one, but when I see the one, I'm getting it. Nobody else is getting it. That's my deal for my investors, my company, my team. So it's, uh, it's passion, um, you know, coupled with action is what gets the results going forward. And um, it's, again, it's repetitive. It's, it's a, it's a process. It's systematized. Uh, you know, you go, you go step one, two, three, four, five, and you, you don't deviate from the plan um, up until the plan doesn't work. And then you create a new plan, you know? So, yeah, um, there's a lot of similarities in, in firefighting and, and that, that environment to, to what we do today. Sure. I love that, man. You know, I, and some of my, uh, some of the best guys I know are firefighters. So I want to definitely thank you for your service for what you did there, you know, and I, my buddy, uh, Bobby Muser, New York city firefighter guy, John Abruzzo, bam, bam, but a bunch of guys that I know, like they have a different set of, you know, they, they take care of themselves. They like that big brother mentality. Like they can beat yeah, each yeah. other up that, you know, they can bust each other's balls, but nobody else is. And I remember it, it's very similar to the, you know, my friends that are MMA fighters, firefighters and real estate investors is everybody sees the highlights. Okay. You know, the firefighter gets to hang out in midtown New York city, and all the girls want to talk to him and all the bikers come and drop off cakes for parking spots. 
you know, the, the, they see the fighters that walk into the bar and the guys want to shake their hands and the chicks want to hang out with them. And then they see the real estate investor guys, the guys that are on, you know, flipping Boston and doing all this stuff, but they don't understand all the things that go into it. The underwriting a hundred deals and being responsible for people's financial future. And, you know, Matt Sarah and my buddy, John Abruzzo, they both said something similar of like, you know, everybody wants to be that guy in the bar, but they forget that three times a year, you have to go fight a guy on TV in a cage and train for months for that. And my buddy, John, who said something similar was, he was like, dude, it was great. You know, I'm getting late all the time. And, you know, it's everybody wants to hang out because I'm a firefighter. Chicks love me. You know, it's, it's amazing. He goes, and then all of a sudden that bell rings and you find yourself in a burning building and you look around and you go, oh, like I picked this. Why? Like I have no business being in here, you know, but then you look around and you realize that the training and all the people around you that starts to help. And I think it's an always an interesting thing because people see you on TV and they go, oh, well, that that's what it was is he got on TV and he got lucky and now he's making all this money. And there's so many other things that go into that equation. Um, how has that really helped or or hurt the perception of what you do being on that show? Yeah, that's that's so good, dude. Look, everybody who said I was an asshole for starting the process, then when the success came, just like you said, I always knew he'd do well. Look at him, he got lucky. <laughs> you know what I mean? And all you want to do is go find that guy and bang him out. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm the guy that's up at three o'clock in the morning looking in the mirror, right? Reinforcing and reinvigorating my own desires and drives, right? At the end of the day, it all comes back down to me. Um, other people's opinions of me, Nick, are none of my business. I don't give a shite, bro. I don't <laughs> care. I don't give a shit. It's like, um, you know, I, um, I look at, I look at the, the fact of I put myself in a position where I could succeed. And I did that because I had been in a position for many, many years where, where I could not succeed, right? I didn't, I couldn't step, I couldn't level up. I couldn't change my game. You know, after, after 9-11, um, you know, the, the, the whole world focused on New York. The whole world focused on, on what went down that day. And, um, you know, I went, I went down to, to New York with a buddy of mine from Salem Fire Department up here in Massachusetts. We drove down to, um, to um, uh, the Bronx, I think we were in. We knew some guys that were in an engine company there. And we just went and rode with those guys for a couple of, couple of days um, after 9-11. Not, not to do anything other than the fact of let, let a brother know that I love them. Let somebody know that I got your back. You're not alone, right? And in, in, in business, you know, it's, it's such a similarity. You know, that, look, the TV show, I had put myself in a position where um, somebody said to me, you know what, Dave, you're a funny bastard, bro. I've seen you on a job site. You should, you should apply for this TV show. And this was in 2009 when, when nobody wanted to do anything in real estate, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I stepped out of my comfort zone. I, I just, I put an online application in there. I loaded it with profanity, you know, name of your company, go F yourself. LLC is what I put on there. <laughs> you know, and on the bottom, I put, you know, don't break my balls. I'm a firefighter. When everybody else goes running out, we go running in. I do real estate the same way. Don't call me, get on a plane, train or automobile, you asshole. <laughs> you know, I just load because I knew they would call me. And it was like, you know, that moment of insanity of sending in an application loaded with profanity well, that's the same moment of insanity when you drop to your knees at the front door 
right? Lock in your, your, your non-rebreather on your mask. Make sure your hood's up so your ears don't burn off. Make sure your boy's next to you. And now it's go time. It's the same moment of insanity. Well, I can only go in when I've done my checklist. Do I have, you know, do I have a line between my legs that's ready to go, right? Do I have my boy right next to me? Because I never go along two in, two out. It's the same thing when I send in that application. It's the same fucking thing. It's like I send in the application knowing that if something happened, I got the team right next to me to execute on it if these assholes want to make a TV show out of me. And they did. And the rest is freaking history, right? So um, those are the similarities. It's, it's, always, it's always that three o'clock in the morning moment when you look in the mirror to thine own self be true. Have you left it all on the field every day? You know, have you done an extra rep? Have you put in the extra effort? Have you made another phone call? Are you the guy who's going to just wimp out when it, when it gets hard? And, uh, you know, the TV show was great. Gave us some great national exposure. You know, put me on the Today Show and CNBC and Fox and all of that stuff. And there were many, many days I sat in that environment thinking to myself, I don't deserve to be here. Right? That's the stinking thinking, the negative attitude. And then I turn around, I'd say, you know what, Dave? You've busted your ass, brother. I've been down and I've been up and I've worked for every position that I've ever put myself in. And um, I got a story that I can share and now be in a position where I can, I can help other people. You know, we got a say in, uh, in my, my non-drinking club. We'll leave it at that. If you want what we have, it's real simple. Do what we do. Everything is a reproducible result if you put the freaking effort in the mentorship, the guidance, the effort, the team, the work. Um, you know, I, I was working 120 hours a week and I was broke as a joke. Firefighting, construction, retail security. I mean, I was busting my ass and it was costing me my life, my relationships. Can't be a father or a, or a husband or a son or a brother if you're working 120 hours a week. And it's funny, I quit all of that to work 100 hours a week as an entrepreneur. <laughs> But I don't have to ask anybody's permission for a day off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to, if I want to take time out to be with my boys today, my nine-year-old, my 11-year-old, my wife, then I can do that because I, I run my own show today, all of it. So, yeah, everybody looks at you, man. They only ever see success. They don't ever see the failure. They don't see all of the, all of the bombs that have gone off along the way trying to, trying to get where you got to go. There's more, there's more value in failure, I think, than there is in success, you know? If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Thousand percent, man. And, and I, I echo that, that I'm always not interested in, in seeing the Lambos and the checks that you're posting on social media. I always want to know what went wrong, you know, because I, I, I'm, 
I'm calling you or I'm interested in real estate because I already know what can go right. I get that part. You can make a lot. What am I not seeing? Like, what kind of things have you been through? Like, what kind of punches have you taken that you bounce back through? And to me, again, that's that's the most valuable thing. And, and like you said, anything you do, how you do anything is how you do everything. So the way you handled your business, your firefighter, the way that you straighten your life out and made those decisions and took those actions to be sober, man. I I commend your efforts. And I think uh, what you're doing is awesome. And everything you said is, is gospel, man. I love it. No, thanks, brother. It, it, it's, 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 look, there's only two people who really know the truth, me and whoever my big guy or girl is, right? It's the same for everybody. It, it's amazed me in my, in my life how, you know, the internal dialogue is such a defining factor for success, right? You know, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? One thing, no, look, there are opportunities where we can hurt somebody because of our intelligence in real estate, ripping, ripping people off, not, not doing the best that we can. I mean, those opportunities come to us consistently. And when I teamed up with, uh, with, with Walter Novicki, our chief investment officer, um, decorated veteran, special forces, um, keeps it real low key, doesn't brag about his military service. Um, but it's like, I knew that, you know, to, to take this, this business to the next level, I didn't have to worry or be concerned about what my partners were doing when nobody was looking ever ever right i just because i've had partners in the past where i did have to worry about that you know uh you know partnerships that that weren't weren't what they should have been or could have been uh if i'd have if i'd have known a little better so the mistakes of the past creates the successes of the future um and you know for people who who want to learn this business it's teamwork number one number two it's execution but at the same time, it's always, there has to, look, an investment requires capital or intelligence, knowledge, action to go out so that a return can come back. YouTube University will not create financial freaking freedoms, all right? It won't. Um, it's commitment. Um, this, isn't, this isn't free. But, you know, real estate investing and its potentials, higher rate of return than any other journey I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm, I made a commitment to, to, to put in the time, the money and the energy to be the best that I can be and then stayed the course through the, through the good and the bad. So again, look, my mistakes are somebody else's successes. It's as simple as that. My mistakes are somebody else's successes as are yours, right? As are yours. And, um, it's always forward motion, brother. I, I just, I can't emphasize it enough. If you're lateral in, and if you're going backwards, you own that. Step forward, step into it, right? Move, 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 stick a move, stick a move. You gotta be moving, you know? You can't hit a target, or it's harder to hit a moving target than it is to hit a target that's standing still. So, in action, baby, in action. Absolutely, absolutely sure. You know, in the, uh, like, like we keep saying that some of the, the best lessons I've learned from mentors are not necessarily what to do, but what not to do. So I definitely love yeah. that. I, I want to jump deeper into what you're doing on the multifamily side and talk about your fun too. So I know you were known as the single family flipper guy and you've transitioned into multifamily. Yeah. Talk a little bit about yeah. your current multifamily strategies and, and what type of deals you guys go after. What's your buy box? What's your sweet spot? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, great. Um, look, I, I was just on a call this morning with a guy who wants to uh, get a line with us. You know, he's got a smaller portfolio in New Jersey. I think he said maybe 10, 11 singles, a couple of multis, nothing too big. But um, we were having a discussion because he said the same thing. What are you doing in the single family business? I said, absolutely nothing, nothing. <laughs> Look, man, if you want to go out and, and swing for the fences and hope you don't get hurt right now, go go be a single family buy, fix and flip or wholesaler. It's just a it's just a horrid market right now. To to dial it back, long story short, pre-COVID, um, I was running a, a hard money lending company. Um, we were working off of a line of credit from an institution in New York, but they wanted to turn their money really fast. So every three days, we'd have to sell the notes that we generated back to New uh, to to New York to Wall Street. And they were buying, um, you know, uh, uh, non-QM, non-owner-occupied notes. So it was a great business model. I mean, we're turning 50 mil consistently, looking great, 20 million in the pipe. Uh, and COVID hit and Wall Street said, we ain't buying these notes anymore. So, you know, it's like, how does that work? You got you to gotta do damage control, first of all. You got to get, get your investors lined up with other money sources. So we were able able to do that but basically i'm out of business brother in three days three days seven loan originators office space etc so step back in in march of 2020 you know didn't go sit in a corner and cry right took a week off took a breath looked at the process whiteboarded it looked at it where was the failure where was the success well it was real easy to see where the success was like you said we're making money doing loans well where was the failure lack of control of capital wasn't our money I was just in the middle, like a lot of other guys are in the lending business. So I said, we have to control the capital. Connected again with my friend, Walter Novicki. He's done about 120 million in private equity raises in his career, quarter of a billion dollars worth of transactions. I probably got 50 million. So we got like 300,000, uh, 300 million in transactions between us uh, in the real estate world. All of the capital that he and I have both raised, we've always paid back our principal never met a quarterly distribution and always made our returns. So that's powerful. That's a powerful statement. So we, we got together. He said, you know, what, what do you think? And, and Walter's point was, was really strong. He said, look, man, we can do one-off syndicated assets. We'll buy a 50 unit or a hundred unit. He said, that's good. It's, it's okay. Uh, he said, or we go big and we'll put together a fund structure, a 506C Reg D fund. And what that does is it allowed us to raise $100 million and then deploy that capital to our investors. So a year ago, um, that process started and the buy box was very succinct and it was good. It worked well. 50 to 120 to 150 unit B plus properties, B class assets, multifamily. And the plan is core plus, core meaning cash flow, plus meaning slight repositioning increase the net operating income, increase the valuation. I've always been in, in the commercial arena. You just never saw it on TV. So it wasn't <laughs> a new world for me that I had to develop a skill set for. Commercial real estate ain't sexy for a TV show, right? So we, we started the journey, raised capital. Things are going great. Um, and we're making our distributions. We're making our yield to our investors. We've got property management verticals, construction verticals, everything's going good. And then it's so, so crazy, man. The past four months, the, the yield, the spread or the cap rate on the buy side of our buy box, we began to see the competition. It has to have increased over 250, 
Oh. Because what we started to see was the stupid money from New York, Chicago, New England, California is now coming to my sandbox. And they started pissing in my paddling pool is what they're doing. <laughs> because what they're doing is, is they're, they're taking the cap rates and they're shrinking them down. I mean, there was one deal that we walked in Miami. Um, our cap rate buy side was about a, a six and a half. Um, we pushed that up to an eight to make out make our investors whole and, and happy. Um, an insurance company from New York came in, and what they did was was they uh, they ended up coming in and um, doubling our offer. So they came in doubling. They came in at a three and a half cap. And I'm like, how is that possible? So we've, we've really been delving into the data to find out what's going on. And what's happened is, is the yield is just so weak in all other investments out there. You go to the bond market, what is it? Like 10 year T-note, something like 1.7 or something ridiculous. So everywhere where, where these larger hedge funds and investment companies have been deploying capital to make their yield, they can't do it. It's too volatile. So, you know, multifamily real estate is the workforce. It's the, it's the, it's the Clydesdale of investing, you know, solid eight to 10% returns year over year, blah, 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 blah. And what happened was this is that we, we started to say, okay, let's just, let's work with what we have. So we've expanded out of Florida. I got a couple of assets that I'm looking at next week in South Carolina. I got another one in North Carolina. We've still got the verticals. So that's still a huge part of our business. However, now we're purely about yield. Can I, can I give my investors yield in a, in a more aggressive environment? What if I go into a value add environment? What if I go into an opportunistic environment? How about we start looking at some of these um, uh, opportunity zones? What about building some stuff? Can we get some land? And we began to experience and um, look into some land development stuff. And what that's doing is ridiculous. The land development, the need for, for housing and rental housing is absolutely astronomical. Millennials don't want to own a house. Millennials still want a little bit of green for their dog and their barbecue, right? So they can have a little cookout. Um, they're okay paying $2,800, $3,000 in rent as long as they've got all of the, the necessities and the... Uh, uh, the um, you know, the facilities that they, that they expect. So uh, we're bullish, baby. We're, we're just, we're just moving with the, yeah. Cause here's the yeah. thing too. There's a lot of investors that are coming into our, into our Florida market and they're paying these 4% yields, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they don't all have the skill sets to execute and hold. So we also know, cause if you were in 2008, 9, 10, you know, full well, we bought up everything that was purchased by the idiots in six, seven and, and early eight. Right. And then it tanked. So uh, we have a very high expectation of putting that capital to work again um, in the same asset class at a better yield, maybe 24, 36 months from now as the, uh, as the amateurs, um, you know, start to feel the pinch. So that's what we're doing, man, but we're putting money to work. That's the important thing. And we're pay paying distributions. Nice. Is, is there a, do you guys have like a walk away is like, we need at least this sort of Delta between what it's going to be worth versus what we have, or like a certain yeah. cap rate that now it's not worth it. You can't pay your investors, like anything that's worth your time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We do. So we, we buy at a, a minimum of a, of a six cap, right? Cause if I buy at a six cap reposition, I can push it up to maybe a seven and a half, eight cap. 
So that allows me to start looking at a distribution um, expectation for the investors. They get a 6% preferred with us. And then an 8 to 10, 8 to 12% cash on cash return through quarterly distributions. And then depending on how aggressive the CapEx is, our investors' expectations are targeted IRRs anywhere between 18 to 22. We're beginning to bring the IRR down a little bit just to make sure that we uh, over-deliver um, on, on our promises. But um, that's how we underwrite. We reverse engineer, we underwrite from our investors first because they're always first and then work the numbers back from there. We don't squeeze a deal. We don't, we don't push a deal that's not a deal. Um, you know, even if we're buying, we got an eight unit that we're, we're taking down and you might say, why even bother with an eight unit? Well, we're taking an eight unit because we got it under for just shy of a million and the appraisal just came in at 2 million, right? Those are the deals you're going to take. So how about if I had a hundred of those, would that be good? <laughs> of course. But you know, it's, it's, uh, it's work infrastructure and team. So yeah, investor, investor, um, expectation of return first reverse engineer the acquisition into that. That's awesome. Now, are you looking at like, what, what, what are you looking at for your markets and for your actually just for the asset? Are you looking for mostly stabilized stuff? I know you said there's a value add component, but how, how much of a value add are you looking for stuff that, you know, nothing less than 50% already occupied stuff along those ranges? Oh, great, great questions. If it's already stabilized, the odds are slim to none. We're going to meet our return profile for our investors. So we have to take a, a look, every apartment complex or, or, or every new construction build is a business. Every single one of them is their own business. So each business plan is, is a different execution, right? Um, so I'll give you an example. We're closing on 81 doors. I think uh, it was the one I mentioned when I met you guys. We just, we, we're closing on tomorrow, funding on Monday. Well, that deal sat around so long because of the challenges we had during due diligence. That deal has actually turned out to be spectacular. We underwrote it at a seven cap. The true market value now, what, seven, eight months later is probably a five cap. Plus we found additional capex in there that the, uh, that the seller had to do in our favor. So we're buying a better asset. Um, so, you know, repositioning on that, that deal is a great deal because that one's like, it started as a core plus, but now it's maybe a value add. So the numbers have, have got better for us because we bought it right on the buy side. Um, there's one deal that we're looking at over 450 doors. That property is probably a 47 million. I think the number was on it. Um, but that's a complete repositioning 450 doors out. Cool. Rehab the whole asset 450 <laughs> doors back in. Right. But you know, you start looking at the numbers on something like that an aggressive opportunistic turnaround. You know, our investors on, on that deal, they'll have an expectation, I would say, somewhere around, you know, 14% cash on cash. Obviously, delayed return because we're repositioning, there's no cash flow. But the IRR on, on some of those projects, I've seen them be as high as 36 to 40% IRR for the whole time of, of an asset. So, you know, I'll buy everything until it doesn't make any sense. All right, I'll buy them all. Nice. I'll buy them all until they don't make any sense. That's that's the way we look at it. So it's I love hard it. to uh, to narrow it in. But market wise, red states, blue states. I only want to do business where I'm welcome. I'm not buying in Chicago. I'm not buying in New Jersey. I'm not buying in Massachusetts or Taxachusetts as we call it up here. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I want to be where I'm welcome. Florida, uh, Carolinas, Gulf Coast, um, those Texas. God bless Texas. 
um, you know, those states where, uh, where, where it makes sense to do business. That's awesome info. How are you guys stress testing your deals? Cause then obviously something like what you were saying, a 450 door out and in that that's going to take some time. It's going to take some, some, some effort. What are you doing to make sure that those deals are still safe over time? Yeah. Great question. Da data, right? So multiple exit strategies, let's say I do a complete repositioning and, and the real estate gods decide to, to move in a different direction. You know, can I, can I put it in as an affordable housing uh, complex? Can I put it in as a, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a condo complex? So we stress test, obviously data is number one. You got to drive the data, right? Is there a need for the service that we're providing? All of the data shows that the amount of housing stock and rental stock that is in, um, in deficit right now is, is unprecedented. We haven't seen numbers like this before. So, you know, can I do that business with confidence on a, you know, a 24, 36, 48 month exit? Uh, we're bullish on that. Uh, we're bullish on that because we underwrite a number of different ways with a number of different uh, tenant profiles to make sure that all the numbers still make sense. And at the end of that day, right, can I refinance my investors out anyway so that they are whole with their return? And if we can tick that box, we'll do the deal every time, every time. Awesome. Every time the capital stack gets to be creative. Um, you know, we, we, we got some larger check writers that will come in and take a, a bigger position of the, uh, of the, um, uh, the spread between a, a friendly and fatty loan. It's amazing how much money's out there, brother. It's, it's ridiculous right now. Ridiculous. And it's all hunting yield. So it, we have a responsibility as investors to supply it. Simple as that, you know? A great answer, man. That, that definitely is what people are looking for. The confidence and the safety factors in there, I think are, or speak volumes for sure. And, you know, yeah. people, people come in, you know, we talked a little bit about fear and I know we're, we're getting a little tight on time. We'll start to wrap it up, but for somebody starting out, you know, you talked about your mistakes. What's some, some things that you've learned going into multifamily that somebody starting out can learn from a mistake that you've made or, or just some, some lessons that you've learned going in that somebody might not see. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. I have a, a saying and I've, I developed it early in my career and it just becomes more and more appropriate as, as, as my career develops nobody, listen to me carefully, nobody will care about your assets more than you do. Nobody. So it's a, it's a big load to carry, but having your finger on the pulse of your asset and a system to do that proficiently is absolutely paramount. Um, I think of it like um, from my paramedicine days, right? The human being really is just a, a case of, of pumps and gauges and pressures, right? Blood pressure up, blood pressure down, heart rate up, heart rate down. We always want to be in homeostasis is where we want to be, right? Well, it's the same thing with an apartment complex. I want it humming. I want it in a state of homeostasis, money in, money out, control of expenses, et cetera, et cetera. So having um, an, a phenomenal, excellent property management team is critical. Um, you know, they're a dime a dozen but the best ones um, are, are rare. Uh, so knowing what that looks like is critical because that's my responsibility. A, a property management um, uh, arm of your company will make or break your return profile. Um, and having consistent meetings, your Monday morning meeting, how's, how's this property doing? What's going on here? What's the upside? What's the downside? Where are we at? Consistently paying attention to it is critical. Um, I think that's probably the most important lesson uh, learned and look, for me, I've been in all phases of it, from, from construction 
to managing inner city, uh, my own properties. I've got stories that I'd make the last of the hairs fall out of your head. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen some stuff and experienced some stuff. You know, the DEA kicking indoors at three o'clock in the morning because I turned out there, there was some, some crackheads were doing a little cooking. You know, I, I, I've, I've experienced it all. So, you know, being able to, to bring, you know, that DNA to this business at my level is important. Because I promise you, I promise you this, you know, the operators that have come straight out of Yale and Harvard and, you know, New York Business School 101, they don't have that DNA profile. And I think it's important. It's again, look left, look right, who are you going to war with? And um, that, that's, that's probably the most, most valuable lesson there is, is, is putting the right team together going forward. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he has also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585. 0585 for your free online drum lesson. That was a great answer and excellent advice. I very much appreciate it. Um, again, I, so I like to end with what we call the victory lap, where I kind of round up a few final questions over here. Sure. Uh, one of them is, what, what's one of your favorite books? Uh, that's always a great question. Uh, I'm reading the, um, the, the Schwartzman book right now. It's the story of Blackstone Capital. That's pretty good. Um, that's a pretty good book. I can't even remember the name of it. It's so good because <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm a liar. I don't even read them. I listen to everything. I can't read a book. I forget what I read after two minutes. Um, I like that. This is crazy, but the law of attraction by, by Rhonda Byrne was, was one of the most influential books I read early on. I like, um, uh, secrets of success by Jack Canfield. Uh, some of the, just some of the fundamental principles and then any, anything that's C-suite. Anything that's C-suite uh, by, by people who have executed well on their business plans, uh, I like to delve into that stuff. So awesome. personal development, business development, those are, my, those are my favorite topics. Cool. Do you have a favorite quote? Yeah. You don't have to know everything to do something. I like that. That's awesome. That's my quote. <laughs> I'll make a nice meme out of it. I'll post it out there. There you go. There you go. What advice would you give a younger you knowing what you know now about life and business? Oh, that's, that one cuts <laughs> to the quick every time. I, I just would have said, why did, you, why did you suffer and wait so long? You know, it was okay, Dave. You could have got up and gone earlier. Um, but, you know, I got an attitude of gratitude today. But um, <laughs> listen, listen to the inner voice. Don't, don't, don't shut it down. You know, when it's screaming for change and growth and opportunity, just just go with it. It's okay. It's okay. So I definitely would have said that. Why'd you why'd you wait so long? I'd go back and smack him around a little bit if I could. But he was bigger and stronger than I am right now. So maybe I maybe I wouldn't <laughs> smack him around if I could. 
Being a Boston guy, do you listen to Dropkick Murphys? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure I do. For sure awesome. I do. Well, I used to uh, I used to teach um, real estate through uh, through a company. Some some guys that I knew very very well supplied fantastic services, and that was my that was my uh, coming up on stage song. Ship it up to Boston. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And my, my buddy's the, the mandolin player for that band. He's supposed to be coming on the podcast soon. Oh, no shit. Give yeah. him a big kiss for me. I love I that. I love look. those guys. I love yeah. those guys. Tell him if he wants to do anything with flipping Boston. I'm his, I'm, I'm his Huckleberry. A hundred percent, man. I'll link, I'll link you guys up. They just put out a new album. That'd be great. That would be so freaking good, dude. Yeah, for nice, sure. Man, yeah. We'll definitely make that connection. I'm excited to get you guys patched up. Well, you know, last but obviously certainly not least, talk about Freedom Ventures, man. Talk about how do people find you? How do people connect with you? How can you help them? How can they invest with you? Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Look, we're, we're about education first. Uh, we work with um, sophisticated and accredited investors, uh, but I also want to make sure that they are high enough up the, uh, up the educational gradient about the business model, about multifamily, about putting capital to work. So there's a lot of information on our website at freedomventure.com. Go there, take a peek around, download some of the free uh, stuff that we have on there. There's a really good um, uh, white paper that we put together about alternative investments and retirement portfolios, where they fit, where maybe they don't fit. This might not be for, for, for some people, and that's fine too. It's not for everybody, um, but you can get a, a ton of information there. Um, I'm old school. You can actually pick up the phone. My, my team will pick up a phone and you can, you can get through to me at 781-922-4418. Um, Google my name, Dave Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. Uh, all the stuff out there is good, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, if you, if you want to learn about us, if you want to learn about our fund, our one-off deals, our investment strategies, what it looks like to partner with us, then, um, you know, reach out. We'll, we'll do a little call. Look, here's, here's the one thing I'll say to that. Don't call me if you think it's a scratch ticket. Don't call me if you think it's get rich quick. Don't call me if you think it's easy. Call me if you want to put money to work at a higher uh, velocity. Let's, let's use that word, right? A higher turn, a higher rate of return than most other vehicles in the marketplace. Because that's what commercial real estate does. It's been doing it for the Rockefellers and the rest of those guys. Now it's our turn. Blue collar guy, white collar world, making some noise, helping some people out. All right? Absolutely outstanding, man. One, one last thing before I let you go that I think is just fascinating to hear your opinion on. You know, me being a jiu-jitsu guy, people think, oh, I can go on YouTube and I can watch jiu-jitsu and then I can go and I can be in the UFC. You know, and you... Being on one of those shows, people like, you know, I'd go out and I'd be teaching people stuff on real estate. Well, no, I, I watched Flipping Boston. I, I saw two episodes. I'm pretty sure I can go make a million dollars this month. So what's your take on people that think that they can watch Flip or Flop and then go out and raise all these people's hard-earned money and then make a million dollars out of it? It's just, it, it's, you wouldn't watch somebody do surgery on TV and then go try and perform surgery. But for some reason with real estate or, or fighting or things that are actually need to, to have that that long experience, it's just a, a, a crazy thing. What's your take on that? I'm going to give you a story. I don't care how long our time goes now because you, you <laughs> open up a door. So I worked, I told you I worked retail security. So I was a special police officer. I had powers of arrest in a town right here in Massachusetts. And um, I ran the office of like, we were all wannabe cops. We were just kids back then. Um, back then I was probably 6'3", 225, working the fire department. 
you know, I was a bull. I was a strong guy. I wasn't a tough guy, but I was a strong guy. And I had this kid working for me and he was training with the Gracie brothers. Okay. And uh, Paulie was his name, Paul Ryder. And he was tracing with the, with, training actually with the Gracie brothers. And he comes into the office one day and he's going, I'm doing this, this, this Brazilian jujitsu. And I'm like, stop it, dude. I'm 225. Paulie was probably a buck 60. I'm 6'3". He was 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, five, I'm like, I don't give a shit about your jujitsu, waka, kung fu. I said, dude, what do you got? He said, okay, just stand there next to me like this. And he, and he squares up with me. I don't know what the hell he did. Next thing I know, my big fat ass is on the floor. I'm looking up at him. I can't breathe properly. And I'm <laughs> tapping the floor, right? So my perception of what I knew was wrong because he was bringing something to the table that I knew nothing about, right? I'd seen Kung Fu movies. I knew that there was like this Taekwondo. I did judo when I was a kid. I know how to do an Ippon Sienagi and an Osotagari <laughs> and pull a guy over, right? I knew that. I, I didn't quite get past the yellow belt, so I wasn't quite an exceptional fighter. So the reason I'm telling you that story is, is the lazy way is to watch a TV show, watch a, you know, watch a something. It's like me saying, I saw a samurai guy, a, a sumo guy fighting in a ring. I'm going to go be a sumo wrestler. You know what I mean? It's the same freaking thing. So why would you follow a TV show that says flip or flop? Okay. Why? Like I worked alongside those, those guys. I, I got stories. I, I'm not going to open up that can of, can of whoop ass, <laughs> but you know, Guess what? When we did our show on Flipping Boston, what you didn't see was where we found the deal. You didn't see how we funded the deal. You didn't see uh, the late hours that, uh, that I'm on site making shits moving along. Uh, you, you didn't see, you don't see everything. You don't make, you know, a hundred grand in, in, in a one hour episode. It takes months. How's your cash flow while that's going on? Right? How's your construction <laughs> team? Right? Oh, I'll call a contractor. Good luck with that. See if he's going to show up. It's <laughs> a TV show, you donkey. Show, S H O W, entertainment. That's what that is. So, you know, go to a real university, get a real, um, you get a real uh, mentor, somebody who's been where you want to go. If you do that, then you got a shot at it. Then you got a shot at it. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> Why you got to get me going, dude? <laughs> and I'll never forget Paulie put me on my ass. I had so much respect for him afterwards, but he was he went he went heavy with it, man. He went deep with those guys. So I I got nothing but respect. My my elbows still hurt when he puts me when he when, when he put when he put me in a couple of locks. He started showing me arm bars and locks and stuff, and I'm like, all right, you win. Give me, <laughs> give me a gun. <laughs> That's all I got. So. That's awesome. But no, man, I agree. I, I think what you just said is truth. And obviously, I think people gravitate towards you and they they like you and they trust you because you you're who you are. You're very genuine. You're mm. you're very tell like it is. You're very comfortable in your skin. And you know, you're you. And I think that that's very refreshing, especially in the arena that you came from where a lot of people are not. So I appreciate it, man. You've been an absolute breath of fresh air. You've been a ton of fun to talk to. You're always entertaining to listen to. And you're extremely intelligent. And I think people that are smart take action and can do it and make you laugh at the same time. Like that's just my kind of guy, man. So I very much yeah. appreciate you coming on today. Any final thoughts before I let you go? No, brother, just, just a great way to start my day, dude. Just a great way to start my day. 
You know, you, you become the common denominator of the five people you hang around with the most. And after this podcast, I just got a new, new buddy in, in, in the camp. You know what I mean? I love and, that, man. Dude, if, <laughs> one, watch this, Nick. Ready? I don't care if one person listens to our podcast. I just got a new buddy. And if nothing else, it was worth the, the hour that we spent doing it right there. I don't I know what that. Our, you know what I mean? That's how I look at shit, man. I don't know what our next our next play is. It's going to be something good no matter what it is. So I agree, that's man. How I, that's how I look at it, dude. That's I've said that point. since day one of this podcast is even if nobody else listens to it, what I get out of it is irreplaceable for me. So I get the value yeah. from it. So yeah, yeah, I'm man. happy you did as well. Selfish, selfish bastard. I love you. <laughs> Well, I right, sir, I'm going to link you up with the Jobkeeper Murphys. I'm going to make that happen. I'll make a call and see if I can link you guys up. And anything I can ever do to help be value to you, man, definitely don't hesitate. And everybody, please go check out Dave. Check out his company. Check him out. I'll put all the links for your company, for your social media, for all the ways to find you uh, in the show notes. So please check them out. And you definitely bring your A game. Thank you for coming on today, Mr. Dave Seymour. Appreciate you, brother. God bless. Have a great day, man.